Hey everyone, uh, welcome to episode 41, Versus Media Live, uh, titled Grid Your Loins. <laughs> so stupid. Um, I want to go into uh, what we're seeing in California and a little bit how that ties into what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi. And just as I was kind of compiling some notes and putting some tabs together, we also learned tonight that uh, West Baltimore is now also having a water crisis. So I guess Larry Hogan will be to blame for that one. Um, as you guys may or may not know, they're now California's going through flex alerts due to uh, what they call a, a, a record-breaking heat wave. A uh, tweet from Governor Gavin Newsom says, uh, California, we're now on a flex alert. What does that mean? We all need to conserve as much energy as possible during this record-breaking heat wave. Here's what to do until 9 p.m. tonight. Set thermostats to 78 degrees. Well, we know Taylor Lorenz isn't going to be doing that. Uh, it says, turn off all unnecessary lights. Uh, avoid using large appliances. And uh, I wonder, is, do they consider an electric vehicle a large appliance? Uh, I'd like them to answer that one. Uh, Rep. Eric Swalwell Fong Fong, it's time to rally California. I like this. He's, he's for the greater good. All we need to do our part to help avoid power outages this week. Before 4 p.m., pre-cool your home. After 4 p.m., avoid use of major appliances and turn your thermostat to 78 or higher. Let's keep the lights on, California. Um, of course, uh, I want to go into a bit about Swalwell's reaction to Ted Cruz with the Texas power grid. Um, this All this news comes about rolling blackouts in California and a stressed power grid. Uh, that they passed a law stating that they are banning gas, the sale of gas-powered vehicles. Uh, I think by 2035. Maybe don't quote uh, me on that. But in a few years, and they've estimated that by the time this law would take effect, that there's no way they could get California's power grid up to speed because it's been neglected, obviously, for years and years and years. Um. This is literally putting a cart before the horse, telling people you need to buy electric cars when you don't have the electricity to support them in the summer. And if you think this is crazy, wait until they can disable your vehicle and you, and you cannot drive because of a climate emergency. Um, it's likely. Uh, a few other stories along this line. Uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, their, their energy provider is a company called XL, XL Energy. And thousands of, uh, <laughs> I love, I'm sorry, I love this topic so much. Uh, thousands of uh, people who bought smart thermostats uh, and then, of course, signed a thing that they joined an energy saving program. I don't think really knowing what it was. Uh, when they tried to turn up their thermostat, uh, got a message on their smart thermostat that said this. Temperature locked temporarily during an energy emergency. Due to a rare energy emergency that may affect the local energy grid, your temperature slider has been changed from 8 p.m. to 8 p.m. because you enrolled in a community energy savings program. To opt out, contact Excel Energy, da 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 da, da. Um, So this was clearly something that was kind of the fault of the people who signed up for it. However, later, this same company... Uh, stated that even if you opt out, this is a setting that they may use in the future. And uh, let me let me find the exact one. I thought I had it, but then uh, then again, my brain is mush. 
for those of you listening to my podcast today, you know why. Um, the energy company essentially said that even if you out, even if you uh, opt out of this program, that they might still try to use it in the future. And uh, I want the exact quote. It says, Excel said customers on these load management programs need to be aware that Excel can have some control of their air conditioning. Also, the option may be used more often. So you have two states there. And then we also have what's happening, of course, in Europe, um, which they're, they're having their own crisis over there. They're burning energy bills in Italy. Uh, the, the UK is offering raffles to pay media companies are offering raffles to pay people's energy bills, um, which is what happens when uh, you you depend solely upon Vladimir Putin for your energy, and you're also crafting climate policy to appease a truant Swedish scoldy team. Um, how this relates to a couple other things. Obviously, as I said, now you have a water crisis in Baltimore. And now, of course, we have in Jackson, Mississippi, which uh, you can read on Friday at Washington Examiner. Um which was due to flooding. And of course, now they're blaming the water crisis in Jackson on either the Republican governor or flooding and environmental racism. And uh, I, I, I noted in my piece that when it comes to uh, things like Texas's power grid, uh, all the blame went to a United States senator, that being Ted Cruz, who was vacationing in Cancun at the time that the Texas power grid went down due to a, a winter storm. And of course, it didn't really matter that a United States senator doesn't have much say over um, the power grid of a state. Uh, it, the optics are not ideal for Cruz. So he flew back and he started helping. He started handing out water and all of that stuff. Um, but that was before it was too late. They found their scapegoat to blame the, blame the Texas grid failure on. When it comes to things like the water supply in Jackson, or I'm guaranteeing you there, we'll see this in Baltimore if this gets out of hand, or the, or the power grid in California, uh, it's, it's climate change, it's racism, it's environmental racism, it's all of these things that we know are kind of vague and they kind of just hover like a specter uh, so the media can use them. And it's never the fault of the people in charge. This is obviously uh, Gavin Newsom, who has been poking the Florida governor for months now about all the freedom coming out of California. Um, obviously isn't taking many arrows over this. Obviously with Jackson, Mississippi, it's Democrat controlled since going back to the 1940s. You're looking at almost 85 to 90 years uh, of mismanagement and, you know, funds that should go to things like water treatment plants. And uh, what a lot of the articles are neglecting to mention about Jackson, Mississippi, is these pumps were already running on backup. And they've been doing so for a while because, the, the infrastructure is not being repaired. And then, of course, we'll see what happens in Baltimore, but I can pretty much guarantee you that one is going to be blamed on Governor Larry Hogan, who, remember, is one of the good Republicans, not one of the dark MAGA forces. And so all of this is kind of coming along, <laughs> and uh, I, I can't begin to enjoy, sorry for you listeners in California, I cannot begin to enjoy, tell you how much I enjoy this idea of forcing people to buy an electric car in California while also then not letting them charge it or plug it in when they might need to. Um, the thing about electric vehicles is interesting. We've already done a, a, or a, a call in on those, but I always compare electric energy to a television. And what I mean by that is everyone remembers like TVs were these big boxy things. They sat on your sideboard or whatever. 
And eventually they came out with the flat screens and the technology just got better and better. The digital and the pixelization and they're thin and they just they can hang on the wall if you want them to. And eventually, if you went to like a Best Buy or a Circuit City, for those of you that remember those, um, you would see you would have all these boxy, big, giant, boxy TVs with a few flat screens. And over the years, more and more flat screens dominated the market and then began to kind of push those boxes away. And now every single television on the market is a flat screen. It's also similar to, to smartphone technology. Every phone went to the design of an iPhone. And that's just kind of how the market adjusts. It's what people want. And that's how things change. That's how technology changes. And they're kind of not doing this with electric energy. They're kind of just forcing it on people or forcing cars out there through subsidies. Um, it, it still costs thousands and thousands of dollars to replace a battery. And let's not talk about uh, how what it takes to mine lithium for these batteries. And so this idea that they're going to force people into electric vehicles uh, is not something I think is going to take. If, if you're out driving around, you do see Teslas. You see a lot of Teslas. And this is kind of what I'm talking about uh, with with technology is people are buying Teslas because they look cool. They are the fun to drive and all of this stuff. And so more, more and more people um, are, are just buying them just for that reason. They, and it's electric. So, hey, yeah, we'll save the planet while we're at it. And so this idea that you're going to mandate electric vehicles to a power grid, and I would argue national power grid that is outdated, and thanks to kind of Democrat Party slush funds and um, the people in charge of those funds, uh, I wouldn't expect to see kind of a national uh, electric grid updated anytime soon, unless private companies do it with, you know, Tesla has places you can stop and plug in your car, and that's going to take, you know, a few hours. So I, you know, I hope that they have places to eat or play or whatever. So um, I'm, I'm enjoying almost no story more right now and the media reaction to it than uh, this idea that we're going to force you to buy an electric vehicle and then we're not going to let you charge it <laughs> because we have to save the planet. It is so beautiful. And uh, again, the way our media is framing these things and, and media plays a huge part of this where, again, where a United States senator is somehow responsible for the Texas power grid failures, uh, but Gavin Newsom is not in his state as a governor. And uh, and the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi, who's a socialist, a self-declared socialist Democrat, is not to blame for Jackson. And I'm guessing Baltimore, which has been under Democrat control now for about 70 years, uh, will also not be responsible this also ties into what we saw with racial equity in George Floyd riots is, you know, George Floyd was killed in all in police custody. And instead of examining the police policies of Minneapolis, which is a Democrat run city since 1973. Um, so again, 40 years. Um, and plus the circumstances that led George Floyd to try and pass off a $20 bill. Anyway, uh, the poverty and how these neighborhoods become run down, which we're, we're seeing happen in real time with some former moderate cities like Austin, Texas and Denver, Colorado. And we've seen it in Portland and Seattle, of course. And we can't examine the policies of the people in charge when the policies of the people in charge are Democrats. So instead of holding, you know, the municipality and uh, the police commissioner responsible in a city like Minneapolis, uh, the country just must be racist. The entire system is institutionally racist. And it's up to all of us to change all of that. Um, 
and this is very much similar to what they're doing with climate. And um, you have to kind of be aware uh, about how they're doing this, why they're doing this. And I see someone in comments saying clean water was racist. And we already saw that basically from uh, NBC's Taylor Lorenz clone who wants to talk about environmental racism and, and all of this stuff. And instead of going, Hey, who's, who's run Jackson's water supply for the last 86 years and how did it get to this point? And so it's easy to blame this vague concept of environmental racism, which doesn't have a solution, and they're counting on it. They know that it's, there's no solution to when you blame it on this kind of phantom. Um, there is a solution. You can kick out the party leadership of Jackson, Mississippi, or Baltimore, or California, uh, where these crises all happen. And, of course, that would lead to changing uh, party leadership, and the Democrat Party, with media in their pocket, knows that they can get around that. So... Um, I kind of said in the comments, we'll get into this. I kind of just want to go about a hard hour because, uh, as I said, my brain is currently mush. Um, and it's a weeknight as well. And I know we kind of do these late night shenanigan ones. Um, but if you're from California, especially, uh, I'd like to hear from you in comments. And, if, and uh, of course, I can't really... Um, jump the queue or anything like that. But if you have any thoughts on this, um, if you're in California, you're going through these blackouts, especially I'd like to hear from you. Just hear what you're going through, what it's like out there. When are you going to be moving? Uh, certainly. And uh, I think what's really interesting is uh, currently the state of Florida is not in a flex alert. Uh, we'll jump right in. Only four callers. If, if we run out of callers, then it'll be a quick episode and we'll wrap up. Um, but love to hear thoughts from anyone. And uh, like I said, I'll probably go a hard hour. Uh, if you're new to this, just make uh, you can hit, you can hit unmute down there on the microphone. And uh, I would also just ask that if you're not talking, to go ahead and mute your microphone. Just uh, I get distracted with noises and all of that stuff. It makes it easier for the listener. And also, just note that there are call callers behind you. Some go longer than others, and that's just kind of the flow of the conversation. So uh, I'll just jump in, Andrew. What do you think about all the fun flex alerts happening in California? And um, do you love all the freedom coming out of California, right? Hey, Steve, can yep, you hear go me? Go ahead, you're on. So I'm a grid system operator in the Southeast. and This and is we, perfect. This we are is not, great. Go, we're going to be talking a while. Go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> I'll try not to take too much time. But, you know, we, we're also seeing uh, the, you know, the penetration of solar and wind into our region. It's not quite as bad as out west, but we do see the daily effects of it. And, you know, one thing that uh, Luke Thompson was doing a good job of showing was the, the whole concept of net solar um, as your load, um, as your load peaks throughout the day. Even if, you're, if your load is starting to come down, it's getting slightly cooler. Your solar uh, drops out faster than what your demand uh, drops out. And that's why you end up having to you know, issue a lot of these curtailments, issue these possible blackout warnings because you're losing power faster than you're losing demand. Um, and again, it's it's not nearly as bad in the southeast as it is out west, but it is becoming worse and worse, and certainly uh, on the east coast in general. And you know, it it boils down to really just it's a religious belief. Um, it's a religious belief that we're going to put a cape on, we're going to save the world. And we have to do it by destroying these places, these power plants that are, you know, it, it, I, this is going to sound kind of misogynistic, but power plants are full of, you know, dudes full of, you know, manly raw power. And you just don't get that with solar and wind. You don't get the, the dispatchability the, the, the that the comes Simpsons from it. The Simpsons taught us that. So that's yeah. okay. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, there is some truth to it, but um, it's like I said, it, we're we're not seeing kind of the blackout conditions or the um, you know rolling brownout issues here in the southeast. But we do have to monitor our reserves. We do have to monitor on a daily basis what this whole solar drop off impact is going to be. And because California has decided to depend to depend on it so much, well, you know, it's going to be feast or famine. You live by this sword, and you're going to die by this sword. I'll let I'll let the next person go on. Real real fast. So, yeah. what? And you know, I've read a bit about kind of the mismanagement of power grid in California as well. Um, what what does it take basically to upgrade? What is it? So California is going to be banning gas powered vehicles. Now they lost. 650,000 residents over the last two and a half years, and a lot of them to Texas, Utah, Colorado, Florida. And so they're basically saying by the, by the year 2035, I believe is what it is, they're going to ban gas-powered cars or the selling of gas-powered cars. And I maintain that this is irrelevant because unless you come up with a battery-powered diesel like that transports goods through the supply chain – then none of this really matters. It's the same coming up with, an, with a, 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 an airplane with solar panels that can fly 250 people plus their luggage. Um, so what do you, just based on what you know about power grid and stuff like that, What, how long, because they say that California's grid basically could not be updated in time for this law to take effect. So what what entails upgrading a power grid what what goes what would have to go into that to basically meet the demand of a state as large as california for everyone who's going to be mandated to buy an electric vehicle does that make sense yeah so a good way to think about the power grid is that you've got you've got your generators your power plants that act like the organs of the system and then you've got the interconnected transmission lines that are um, that kind of act like the skeletal structure and the veins that deliver all the blood flow to the load centers that need to be that needs to be delivered to. So you know if you if you lose your you know long transmission lines that go those steel towers that the lines that go for miles and miles and miles. You know if you lose enough of that, then you've essentially got veins or skeletal structure that have collapsed. So you need to be developing the skeletal structure along with the generation capacity. And so California is actually connected with, it's connected with Arizona, it's connected with Nevada and, and Oregon as well. So it can actually receive power from, from those states and, you know, all the way to, I think, you know, Kansas, that's the, the Western interconnection and, and the Western part of Texas. So they're they're pulling they're straining Arizona, Nevada, and Oregon as well with uh, with their deficiencies. But you know if you if you you know if you, if you lose enough of the the tie lines, the transmission lines, and it you know it, it doesn't matter how much generation you have, um, you know you're essentially the blood is not getting pumped to where it needs to get pumped. So there's a lot of it's not just power plants, but it's it's building those those lines that can take those electrons and those megawatts and deliver them to the place they need to go. So to answer your question about electric cars, though, really what it's what you're going to end up having is you're not going to have um, as low a demand at night when the sun goes down. It's just going to be flatlined uh, when you've got people charging all these cars or, you know, it's your your demand just won't go down across the evening. Uh, but still, you've got you've got demands on the system. If the sun isn't shining at night, like we know it doesn't, and if the wind's not blowing, 
then what are you, you what are you going to use to backstand all of that demand? You've got to have cheap, reliable, sturdy power in the form of nuclear plants, coal plants, gas plants, what have you, that can run at any time and run on command and not at, be at the mercy of nature. Huh. And so, and as outdated as California's grid is, you're looking at maybe 10 to 20 years to get that all up to speed, to update it. Um, so you're not kind of overloading, I mean, during the day where, I mean, you could be looking at a reality that says, don't don't charge your electric vehicle uh, from, the, from the times of, you know, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. We, we need the power for, you know, everything else. Um, again, this this whole thing, it, it, I, I don't like, you know, the idea that people, their power is going to go out for four hours at a time because they're, they live in California. They've made that choice. But on the other hand, I just, I love how this kind of mismanagement is just so out in the open for anyone with a pair of eyes to see. And at the same time, you know, you have our entire corporate media backing this. They're just kind of like, wait a second, you know, the, everyone I think is this room where everyone just is like, wait a second, you're mandating electric vehicles. And right now you have rolling blackouts because you don't have enough electricity. Um, and again, for, from everything that I've read on this in the last few days, it's California's grid just is not, it's not feasible to get this thing up to date where it can handle this kind of uh, maintenance load heading into 2035. So I'll give you a last word on anything, anything else that you have, and then we'll, we'll just, we'll jump. No, I, like I said, I, I think the biggest, the biggest problem is too many people uh, on the left treat this as a, it's a religion and they want everybody else to sacrifice at the altar of their God. And um, I think you've said it before. If you know, there are people who fly private jets, well, if I can, if I can keep nine of you from flying commercially, then I've done my job and I get to <laughs> reap the benefits of this labor or, of this fruit. Yeah, or or Obama buying a house on Martha's Vineyard while while warning the rest of us about flood. And it's so obvious. This is they just do it with impunity. That it, this is a thing that just it, it gets under my skin so much. They just do this with impunity. John Kerry will never have to face a question about you know why can't why do you have to fly to Zurich to to host a climate summit? Why can't you just do it on Zoom? That's one of the technologies that came out of the pandemic. That was you know Zoom was used sporadically, but now it's like used nationwide by companies everywhere. So why why do you have to jump on a jet and fly? Why are you so important that while well, you're lecturing us to basically not fly or restrict our flying or restrict our driving? Um, and as I've always said, and people like DiCaprio who, you know, flies to Saudi Arabia to try salt-based viral steak, you know? And I think as long as that's the case, we're just, we're just not going to believe you. And, and I even think that goes with p- people in politics or even on the political left, where it's just like when you, when you fucking people start acting like we're in this emergency that you're talking about, uh, Mark's base uh, in nine, 12 years before we can, we can't turn any of this around. And, and on the other hand, you're also not holding India or China accountable for any of their pollution. All they're neither of them are in the Paris climate accord. And so, yeah, it's, it, it's all just kind of, theater, I think, to please a voting base. And of course, it's gone international uh, with Greta Thunberg, who's basically the mouthpiece for Extinction Rebellion, who are all the lunatics gluing their hands to paintings right now um, and and sitting in traffic. And again, when these people start acting like we're in a climate crisis, and I think it was John Gabriel had a great piece where he talked about how they don't actually believe in climate change. 
it's the political left that doesn't really believe in this because they're not entertaining solutions like nuclear or anything like that to really solve it. And they're also the ones that are doing exactly what you said. They're, they're hopping on the private planes. They're hopping over the, you know, the World Economic Forum and all of this stuff to lecture us about climate. And they all own three to four houses whose electric bills are astronomical. Um, their, their carbon footprint in a week is more than most of us will ever make in our lifetime. And they don't act like we're in that kind of emergency. The only person I think I've ever seen in media actually t- kind of live by their own religion, like you say, their own climate dogma was Dylan Radigan, who had a show years and years ago on MSNBC, and then he just dropped off. And he, he went and got like a farm where he, he literally does like sustainable living. I don't know if he like recycles his piss or anything like that. Um, but he's the only one in media that I know that basically said, yeah, we're in a climate emergency. Uh, I'm going to just drop off and I'm going to go do my part. And it's, I kind of look at this and say, if they, if someone like Obama really believed we're in this climate catastrophe where if like one piece of Antarctica breaks off, it's going to flood the coasts. Then why the motherfucker did you buy a house or build a house in Hawaii and and put a house on Martha's vineyard? He should be building a house in like, the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, <laughs> where the ocean rise won't reach people or something. So, yeah, I agree with you. And it's, it's, the, it's the most simple argument towards a lot of this hysteria, which is exactly that, which is you people don't live. And, of course, Gavin Newsom is never one to live by his own rules. I saw a lot of comments on his piece, his tweet that said, post a photo of your thermostat right now, Governor. And uh, also, you know, I love seeing tweets from people who had manual manual air conditioners saying become ungovernable. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it is it is a certain aspect of religion. And anyone who dare uh, question, you know, other, other sources of warming in the climate, um, you're basically shouted out like a heretic. And um, I, I just don't know how many people are buying this. There's only so long you can keep the lie going. Um, you know, Al Gore saying we're going to be underwater by 2013. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez saying we have 12 years. Well, 12 years is going to come and go. Okay, and it's still going to be hot, and we're still going to be cold, and we're still going to have seasons. And the, and the last thing is, uh, I, I just thought it was funny that we got through like two months of hurricane season, and they didn't have a single hurricane uh, form. And now they had one. They had the first one of the season uh, formed kind of down in the... Uh, the Caribbean sort of off then they didn't expect it to make landfall, but nobody like reported that nobody thought that, huh, what, what is lack of hurricanes? Is that also climate change? Because whenever, you know, a superstorm hits New York city, that's, you know, that's the most reason to upset our entire infrastructure. So Andrew, uh, I appreciate it. I, I love like it's right off the bat. It's like, Hey, I, I actually worked the grid. So I appreciate it, Andrew. Jump to William. William, go ahead. Hello. Can you hear me? Go ahead. Uh, I want to say, as a recent Texan, I really think it's ironic that California has been going through yeah, uh, rolling blackouts you're, you're for breaking at least up 20 just years. A bit. Uh, are you able to maybe go on speaker? Uh, I am. There you go. Oh, are you on speaker? All right. Um, yes, I am. Go ahead. You're you're just really breaking up, but we'll try to get through it. Oh, sorry. I'll I'll go off speaker. Uh, did that work? No. Yeah. Yeah. William, you're, you're breaking up a ton. Um, maybe, maybe try, uh, closing, reopening the app and then just try to jump back in the queue and, uh, see if I can take you, but maybe just try closing the app and see if that does it. All right. Uh, 
I tried to yeah. close them. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting anything it. from him. Uh, okay. So yeah, William, uh, go ahead and maybe just close the app, reopen the app, and then just jump back into the, the queue. Uh, but I'm going to remove you here briefly. Um, sorry about that, William. Just tech problems. Oh, there is. Samuel, go ahead. Yeah, so um, I joined the queue because it was requested of me by SEAL Team 3. Um, he needs to know about the student loan forgiveness. I don't really have oh, an update. Um, but he says when we should catapult you across the Potomac. Um, I don't really have an update other than just um, kind of talking to some people who I know um, have student loans um, and would benefit from this. And the consensus basically is, and a lot of these people are not political. They don't really follow uh, politics. Samuel, there. real fast, give give people who may have not heard your original thing on this uh just a quick refresher let's see how yeah. many, let's see how many people we can get upset at you in the uh, yeah in the room. so and if you get upset by what i'm about to say feel free to rage at me on the comments on patreon um i think biden's student loan bailout is irresponsible terrible unconstitutional illegal etc 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 and i would take the money if given it if it was given to me uh, but it's not just being given to you. You have to go and you have to apply for it. And so you're going to be doing that, correct? Well, there's really not an application. They just need your income information. As long as they have that, the money will just automatically be refunded to your account. So they're going to actually physically deposit $10,000 or whatever into your bank account. Correct. They're not going to, they're not paying the loan like they're not just buying the loan and saying, hey, that's it. They're just they're going to deposit they're going to physically deposit five, ten, twenty thousand dollars into your checking account. No, not into the checking account. Um, it goes onto the loan balance. Okay. Okay, but, yeah, that's what I was that's what I was what trying to do is your income <laughs> information should be on file with the IRS. Again, okay. the IRS. And if they don't have it, then yes, you need to submit that. But otherwise I mean, I assume they have 99% of people's IRS records, um, unless you're like, you've literally never worked a job in your life, which, you know, I bet you some people who are going to get loan forgiveness have never had a job. Um, if they have your income information, yeah, it'll just be um, removed from your uh, oh, Okay. Data. All right. That's what I, that's, that's what I thought. I thought, like you said, though, it just gets deposited into your account. I'm like, wait, you're checking? <laughs> How? No. Because that would be a fucking scandal. Anyway, so that that is Samuel's story. He's, he hates it, but he's still going to take the money. And I guess who's who's raging in you at the in uh, the Patreon comments? Oh, I was just inviting people to. Oh, well, they felt the need. Pe- people should take advantage of that then. Yeah, um, but go ahead. I just wanted to give context for people who may have not heard this. So go ahead and uh, you. So did you actually apply? They said that this was going to go out like in October or closer to the election as it so happens. So have you actually, you you told us about the website, you told us that. So you haven't applied. You just said there's no real update because of why. Well, they haven't even put up the website yet. Like where you, where there's, they're supposedly going to put up a website to check if, um, if they have your income information on file. And that's not that's not supposed to go up until October. So he announced it, you know, a couple weeks ago at this point, 
and he hasn't even gotten around to putting up the website yet, which, you know, it for something he had been talking about for months, it seems like they were really not prepared to go out and do this. Um, you would think that they would want to get on it as soon as possible, but um, I guess not. But yeah, basically the my point of, it was just anecdotally, I was talking to some people over the weekend who like are in position to take, uh, to take advantage of this. And most people thought it was pretty, pretty, a pretty terrible idea. But again, they would take the money if given it, if given to them. So, so the majority, so the people that you talk to would, would also do the program, even if they hate it. Yes. And they're, like I said, they're not political people where, they follow politics. They don't even vote. Um, I think generally they're probably more conservative just because of uh, geography, basically, where they live, where they grew up. But they're not like hardcore partisans. And they just like, I don't really get why he would do this. But I mean, if he's going to give it to me, why would I not take it? Um, how, so if you took, and I don't know if it's up to 10, I think they say up to 10,000. So... Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to apply for a certain amount, uh, like how much do you need forgiven or how much would you take? So would you, would you need the full amount or like, let's say if you only had five grand or so, how much would, or would you be doing any of the Pell Grant stuff or are you just looking at like the sweet 10 K and would that take care of your loans or how much would that leave you with? Uh, it would leave me with, uh, I would still have about, uh, five figures left, even if I got the full 10 K. Um, but it's not some crazy amount of debt. Like I was, I'm, I've been paying it off. I've been saving money to pay it off anyways. And it would have been gone by the end of next year anyways. Um, but I mean, if he wants to give me the money, I'm, I'm going to take it, you know, but I was actually calling you to talk about California. I just wanted to, well, we uh, don't want, we don't, we're not interested now, Samuel. You just pissed everybody <laughs> off. <laughs> Sorry about it. Go ahead. Well, the main point in California is I just want to know what's the breaking point for people. I I don't get it. And there are, I will give credit. There are a lot of people who legitimately can't move. You know, they're not in the, uh, they're not in the finance financial area where they can just move their family without really caring. But like every time California does something fucking crazy, You have the conservatives who still live out there saying, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay here and fight. Well, guys, you've lost every battle in the past 20, 30 years. When are you going to accept that you can't win? I mean, Gavin Newsom was at like 40% approval in California before the recall. And then, yeah, you know, we can debate how the Larry Elder thing fucked up the recall but he still won like 60% of the vote. They're not willing to change. And I just don't get why people are willing to put up with it. Again, I bet you 50% of the Republicans in the state probably can't financially move, but for the 50% who can, which again, the most Republicans in the country are in California, but they have no electoral power. Why, what's the argument against moving to Nevada or Arizona where you can actually ha- make a difference and not live such a shitty life. Like, is the weather that good that you're not willing? I, I just want to know what are people's breaking points? 
You know, wh- at what po- what is the thing that they're going to do that you're going to say, I can't handle any more of this because I just don't get it. Well, the other, I mean, what you just heard from Andrew is even if you move to Nevada, there's going to be parts of California's grid that are going to affect even Nevada. So who knows? Um, the, the, I mean, the, the worst part of this is they don't, they, when they move, they don't check their politics at the door. So they move to places like Texas and they move to places like Florida and they move to places like Utah. They move to places like Colorado and they just end up making those places more progressive with the same policies. And then they just keep moving. And um, that's also uh, the other kind of thing that does that is a virus, by the way. Um, And so, I, I mean, my answer is, I don't know. When you look at the wealth in California, I mean, you still have corporations, companies, obviously still have big tech is out there. You have millionaire, billionaire celebrities um, out there. And these are all people who are gladly say, oh, you can gladly tax me. But these are also people who don't consider the wealth disparity that exists in cities like Los Angeles or San Francisco, for example. And so um, I, I, I don't know what a breaking point is for a lot. We've seen some people like on Twitter, there's this a uh, woman named Michelle Tandler that a lot of people follow who kind of came, you know had her come to Jesus moment over what was happening in San Francisco. Um, but the other thing about California is similar to New York. Like it, people sometimes have their breaking point. They'll vote in a Republican. They'll vote in you know a, a Republican governor or whatever like that. Um, but as far as like the policies of someone like Gavin Newsom, who's who's more interested in doing kind of stage photo shoots for, with books and shit. Um, I just, I really don't know. We learned, I mean, the pandemic and the pandemic laws there were a, were a huge breaking point. Like I said, California lost over 600,000 residents in two years. Um, and the main state that absor- absorbed most of them, I, I think, was Florida. And so right now you still have, I, I even retweeted this, at in L.A. County, there was kind of a kids' rec basketball game and all the kids were still in masks. And so uh, if that's not enough to get your ass out of there by now, I don't know how much like rolling blackouts are going to affect you because a lot of those people kind of believe like what Eric Swalwell believes, which is, hey, this is we're, we all we all are in this kind of for uh, each other. And we all have to kind of band together and, and take care of this crisis on our own and et cetera. And so that's going to be kind of the voters who are left as the people who are all in on this kind of attitude. Um, the funniest thing here was uh, Eric Swalwell, who said, uh, less than two months apart, Texas, where Republicans provide plenty of energy to control your body, but no energy to control your thermostat. And <laughs> as I said, I read his tweet from, you know, last night, and he says it, where it's time to rally, California. You know, let's keep the lights on. And they have a whole electorate that goes, okay, let's do that. And uh, again, I. I'm fine if they kind of check out and say I've had enough, but they always just end up taking their same politics with them. Yeah. And I mean, I do just want to remind people that Eric Swalwell ran for president and, you know, he also shit his pants on national television and he fucked a Chinese spy. So, I mean, you know, that guy's got a real great track record, but like, yeah, I mean, there are, I'd say of like the people who left California, the exodus, I mean, a good chunk are probably liberals who, yeah, moved to Austin and Texas or moved to Phoenix and Arizona. And, yeah, they're going to vote the same way. But there's like five million Republicans in the state of California who vote anyways. You know, I'm sure there's more than that who just don't vote for whatever reason. And it's like, I, 
I just don't understand what more the state could do to persecute you. I mean, again, they're, they're going to ban your gas vehicles. You don't can't even charge your electric vehicles. Once you get them, um, they're enacting some of the craziest social agenda. There's that one. I can't think of his name. I want to say his last name's Wiener, but that could be wrong. Who's like trying to pass bills about like, um, like under 10 year olds can change their gender without parental consent and stuff. Um, crazy abortion laws, um, crazy gun laws. It's like, I just, I feel like it kind of falls into the category of some Republicans are just, again, I'm not saying all of them because I know a lot of them probably financially can't move, but for the ones who can, I feel like a good bit of them are just kind of fall into that tier of the addicted to losing where anytime anything bad happens, they just slam the party. It's kind of like the guys who attack Dr. Oz because he's not conservative enough. It's like, do you really want mush brain Fetterman in the Senate? Or are you going to keep attacking your own guy? And I think it kind of falls into the category that you bring up about like the trans stuff. It's like Republicans in California are not going to defeat the Democrats in California. The only people who can stop what's going on in California are the Democrats. So you should just let them kill the state. And then if they want to save it, they can save it. But otherwise, you know, you're not convincing anybody out there. Again, Gavin Newsom's going to cruise to his reelection and there's nothing you can do about it. I, I just don't get what more you need to see before you say this just isn't worth it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on that. Um, and it's, it's not other states. I mean, I was, a am a right-leaning guy who, you know, I lived right in the heart of, you know, Williamsburg, Brooklyn for 10 years. And, uh, I just, uh, some circumstances changed, whatever. And I was just kind of ready to get out of there. And, um, I, I was even looking at like rents around and I'm just like, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. The funniest thing about New York is the farther you get away from actual New York city, the cooler the place is supposed to be. So first it was then like Williamsburg and then it was Bushwick and then now it's New Haven, Connecticut. And then it's all these. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, sort of the same way. Um, I think it, it, it becomes when it's just not the incentive isn't there anymore. So, I mean, a, a ton of people left New York and I had friends that left New York during the pandemic because everything shut down. And so a lot of people who live in kind of tiny boxes in New York City that that's the trade-off for the lifestyle. You can go outside, you have like culture, you have restaurants, you you can just get a subway to anywhere, whatever. And then when you take all of that away, all you are is, all you're reminded of is that you're trapped in your little fucking box, which you're probably paying $4,000 a month for. And that's like, that was a huge reason of why like people just, you know, the exodus happened of New York um, is as well. And so, I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I don't know. Um, there's, there's probably several reasons. Like you said, money might be one. Um, that's another one. I don't know how you're going to mandate an electric vehicle to like anyone who makes under $30,000 a year. Are, are you going to saddle them with like, you know, an electric car, which costs 30, 40, 50 grand. And you're going to saddle them with a $600 a month car payment. Now, you know, there's all of this stuff that's questionable about, you know, mandating electric vehicles. And again, you know, now we're going to mandate that you can't charge them and, uh, and on. So I'll go ahead and give you the last word. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say is, um, yeah, I just, 
it's it's you know i know if there are more california people i would like to hear them just say what's keeping you there because it's again there are reasons that i think are legit but just generally speaking i'm like again you know if if you know uh, like colorado passes the the crazy abortion bill that they did that's bad is it enough to drive you from the state i don't know probably not but California has made clear over and over again. It's probably that, enough for it's some, passing something like that's probably enough to draw progressive interest from people in California. Like, hey, we can do this, and oh, by the way, they've legalized weed out there too. Let's go. Yeah, and I don't and, know if California's done that. That would surprise me if they haven't. What legalized weed? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it's legal out there. But um, yeah, and finally, I do just want to say, uh, fuck John Fetterman and his. <laughs> Uh, much brain. Uh, every clip of that guy, and this is, I, I guess this is my final point. I just want to quickly make, um, for the polls that were showing Fetterman up 13 points and 12 points, consider why they're making him go out in public and do events. Um, because if he truly was up 13 points, there would be no way he would be leaving his basement. That race is his internals are clearly showing it's a close race if he's not behind, because otherwise I cannot see them. I mean, Joe Biden, he didn't leave his basement, but like three times the entire presidential campaign and Fetterman's much worse off than him. Yeah, but Biden, but Biden still gave like Zoom, Biden still gave Zoom meetings and things like that. And he gave media appearances like that. I mean. The, the the thing with Fetterman, National Review had a great thing about him about like the reality. I think it was Jim Garrity who said the re, the realities of covering John Fetterman, and the way kind of the media has gone to bat for him, and they know it. Every journalist out there knows it. They know how fucking bad this looks. When every time this guy goes out there and he just goes, you know, put on rich and <laughs> Fetterman, John, my name, eight houses, New Jersey, New Jersey. Oz. You know, and he just, he says these, you know, you can see him searching for the, the these catchphrases. And it's like, you just, you want to hold a flashcard up in front of his face and go, what shape is this before you continue? And they know, like the media knows it, which is why you don't see clips of him talking. Like there was a clip of him from C-SPAN that had to be spread by, you know, Greg Price and a few other people who are kind of on the right. And there's a reason why. You know, a guy who is like a Bernie Sanders type Bernie bro, um, the media loves the talking points from those people. They spread those things all over the place. But they also know, like, if Dave Weigel or someone else puts a video of him talking, they know how fucking bad that looks. And I said that to Henry Gomez from NBC when he's like, John Fetterman taking the stage, and they just show a photo of him. And I say to Henry, Henry, you know you have a video recorder on your phone there. I mean, you know you can record a speech. Why didn't you do that? And again, every time footage of this guy is released, it just, it gets worse. And I think it comes down to a simple concept that if he can't be out on the trail and if he can't debate, voters ultimately vote for who shows up. And I, and I don't think in that scenario, party really matters. And I, and I, and I made that example about Trump and Hillary, where Hillary didn't go to the state of Wisconsin for 104 days. And Trump was in Milwaukee. He was flying out to Madison. He was, you know, at factories. And that's pretty much it. It's like this guy cares and the other guy doesn't. And the way they're trying to spin his stroke into a heroic story, um, 
like I said, it's the tip. It's it's it is the classic trick of you know we can we can make fun of Oz and we can go after him on anything. We can make fun of his, his stupid crudite commercials and we can call him names. And the second Oz goes, you can't complete a sentence. It's how dare you, sir? How dare you? You can, how dare you? And then of course, all the media is Oz attacks his health. Oz attacks this. And of course, we saw Molly John Fast with you know Stroke of Genius uh, for her title, which is just incredible. It's like how he turned his stroke into a thing, and uh, they don't even care about this, the fact that this guy probably can't uh, make it through a, a six-year Senate term. Yeah, it's just get him in there, and then just get him to show up for votes or not show up for votes, depending on how many you need. And then you know, then they just wheel his ass through the the loading dock to get him in there to vote, and you're, whatever, and. Yeah, it's a fascinating. It's one of the more fascinating things that I'm watching as far as a campaign. If you want to see media manipulation of our elections, just pay attention to Fetterman. Like they'll do profiles. The ads of his won't have him speaking in it and they won't show his live appearances. And it's going to be real telling if that's going to work, if, if he can actually get elected basically because of his Twitter social team. Yeah. An actual last word. All I'll say is. Uh, convince me that he wasn't reading off a teleprompter during that Stephanie rule interview because he doesn't look at the camera one goddamn time. Yeah, he's time. just looking kind of at his monitor and, and his wife is just kind of egging him on there. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they all know it. And um, it's, it's again, it's, it's just simply about getting the seat and not his health. And as long as he's made and the people around him have made the calculation um, and and thanks, Samuel. As long as people have around him have made the calculation that he doesn't need to drop out and that he can stay in the race, then his, to me, his stroke is fair game. Um, there's ways to talk about it. There's ways of doing it. I obviously am more cutthroat because I'm not running the campaign. Um, but to me, it's it's a hundred percent fair game. Uh, Bo, uh, welcome. I think you're a newbie. Um, but like I said, we're talking about all the issues in New York power grid as well, as well as the water supplies, Jackson. So, uh, go ahead. Hey, Steven, first time, long time, seven beers in, um, I'm going to address Sammy's, um, question about California. I grew up in LA. I grew up in central LA in a pre-World War II building that didn't have AC and it got to a hundred degrees every few summers. Um, and Jerry Brown was our governor, Jerry Brown dating Linda Ronstadt, skate. Um, roller skating Linda Ronstadt and uh, 30 years later they elected him again yeah talk talk about people who just don't go away that's that's a name where uh, this guy always just once in a while pops his head out of his hole yeah stupid breed stupid go ahead um yeah and uh I also wanted to point out that uh Newsom today did a, a little spot on tv wearing a fleece jacket in a studio so that was fun <laughs> uh, he was a little chilly yeah apparently the air conditioning works there um and i live in las vegas and we have the hoover dam which is a you know, hydroelectric and phoenix has a nuclear power plant and a dam that's hydroelectric and they're sucking energy from us and oregon has dams that are hydroelectric and nuclear pl- power plants but california you know they need wind they need solar and they can't power themselves uh, I just uh, speaking of, I just found it. Uh, NBC News three Las Vegas wearing a fleece jacket. Newsom tells Californians not to use AC after four p.m. Uh, to save energy. Yeah, he's wearing a fleece jacket with the Colorado or the California uh, bear on it, and he's in and he's in a hat. That's that's great. 
man, this guy stumbles into more things than whatever. And he always gets away with it. Like he traveled to Montana, who he told state people not to fly to. And obviously the French laundry. Um, so that's great. I think, do we lose Bo? Uh, I'll move Bo up because he was talking. Bo, go ahead. I know it's some of oh, the I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I, no I was talking. Sorry. I talked while you talked. I, I, like I said, seven beers in. Sorry. <laughs> um, like I said, I live in Las Vegas and in the nineties, um, after I got out of the Navy, I went to locksmithing and between 96 and 99, there was just this giant influx of California's actually Southern California, the LA, Newport, San Diego, and they would sell their 600 square foot house for $1.2 million. Come here to Vegas buy a, I don't know, 5,000 square foot house for $500,000 and just were ecstatic. And so Southern California has turned Las Vegas blue. And if you look at our state, Las Vegas, or Clark County, which is, you know, the bottom part of the state is blue. And Reno, where another um, people move from California, like Tahoe to Reno, is blue. The rest of the state is red. But there's nobody living in the rest of that state pretty much. I mean, all the, all the uh, population is in the south. And we have Democratic policies that are just killing us. We have a Democratic um um, governor who uh, I call Sisolak, his name is Sisolak, I call him Sisolak, uh, who just followed whatever Newsom did. And it just, I mean, if it wasn't for the casinos, we would have been more torn up than California because just how do you, how do you basically survive a pandemic when you don't let anybody go to work? Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the good news is, is you guys are officially down one Democrat. Uh, it's kind of breaking. Las Vegas police arrest county official Robert Tellis in the murder of Jeff German, who was a journalist who wrote about him before the election. Um, and he, of course, you need to dig real deep to find Robert Tellis's political affiliation. And he was a Democrat. So then we also, of course, had Democrats murdering dudes in New Jersey. Uh rep which happened too so that's there's another fun place speaking of casinos so that's the good news bo you're officially down one democrat well you know it's vegas we uh we you know we take care of people (laughs) there's a lot of there's a lot of uh holes buried in that desert bo so uh if you want i'll give you the last word go ahead no i'm good i just uh matt gave me a challenge to come on up and i've never been up before so i just want to tell you you're doing a great job i love you and all right keep it up cheers thanks man uh we're gonna try william again see if william reloaded his app sorry about that william let's try this again go ahead no problem can you hear me now uh you sounded good there and then you cut out again but try it okay uh i find it highly ironic as a new text new texan that we've heard california have rolling blackouts and wildfires for the last 20 years but after one storm in texas that was front page news um yeah i also and again it was it was the fault of uh the senator who uh was just on vacation which again i don't think those optics are great but i mean on the other hand what does what nobody and this is the thing about blue check journals on twitter who don't talk to you anymore you just go what what do you think Ted Cruz is supposed to do about the power grid in Texas? He's supposed to care. Oh, that's going to fix the problem? Like, what authority do you think he has? I mean, again, it's not ideal optics, to, you know, to be flying off to Cancun while that's happening. And I totally get that. Um, but this idea that I don't, I don't think he even did it while it happened. I think he was already in Cancun and then he was photographed there. People like, he's in fucking Cancun while the power grid's down. And, and I'm looking at, like, wh- how what is he supposed to do about it? And again... 
Um, if it, honestly, if it was the opposing party, I'd probably use it as a cheap shot too. Um, but it was just incredible to watch. Like that was a three-day news cycle of just Ted Cruz getting the shit kicked out of him. And again, then when it comes to, like you said, it's, it comes to 20 years of California mismanagement or 40 years of Jackson, Mississippi mismanagement or 60 years of Baltimore mismanagement or Flint, Michigan, the water. That was a perfect example where Flint, Michigan has been under like democratic union control for decades. And the media and people like Michael Moore managed to pin that on the Republican governor at the time, which helped him get ousted. And now you have Gretchen Whitmer and the problem Flint is the water problem. Flint is still bad. And you don't hear about it because they, they, they took care of the problem, which is why, like I said, if this problem in Baltimore gets bigger with E. coli in West Baltimore, residents having to boil their water, you're going to see all that goodwill that Larry Hogan built up kissing the ass of people on Meet the Press. You're going to see that disappear faster than probably his presidential chances. Oh, yeah, for sure. The other thing I find highly ironic is that the most honest man in cable news uh, – featured a nazi and a pedophile uh the pedophile last week or yesterday actually um who is that the clara Saranti, the kiwi farm story um that person uh that person uh is a pedophile because she she or he depending on what you want to say um ran a discord server called the cat boy ranch cat boy ranch where she would lure uh young people in and give them access to illicitly obtained or bathtub estrogen yeah and uh would send them literal callers saying property of the Catboy Ranch, and I would suspect also got obtained progress pictures. So there's probably some uh, cheese pizza in there. Yeah, meet, meet the latest advisor in the Biden administration on that one. Yeah, the Kiwi Farms thing is, is interesting, and I talked about it a little bit on my podcast today. It's As far as Internet subcultures go, this one's like the first one that's really out of my realm is someone who – you know, grew up on Ain't It Cool threads and Reddit and a little bit of 4chan and things like that. And, uh, you know, the shit poster, the shit posting hall of fame. Um, this one is a little bit beyond me just as I'm older in age. So I'm, I'm reading things about it. I'm like, I said, Jesse Singal's doing a lot of writing about it. There was a great Substack post about the people, uh, who Ben Collins and Taylor Lorenz, who are all over the story and Brandy Zadrozny, the people they are using for sources or the people that you mentioned, uh, they didn't go dig into more about who those people are. And uh, it's a person who goes by the name of Kethels is kind of the main character. And it, it yeah. really does kind of, it does, it does have a tinge of Gamergate to it. Um, which oh, very much so. They're, they're always, they're always looking for that kind of next Gamergate thing so they can find the next star. And Kethels to me just comes off like the next Brianna Wu. Um, but it is, it is, it is a pretty, this idea of, you know, we need to start corporate journalists and Glenn Greenwald wrote about this, but journalists from NBC need to go start eliminating pockets of the internet. And we saw them and they go after Reddit and they go after, you know, base and all it basically comes down to is something like it's wrong think. Um, no, I don't believe people should be targeted and harassed on the internet, but ultimately, and I said this about Taylor Lorenz. Her main gig is you're not allowed to make fun of me on the Internet. And that's basically all that the fucking Internet is, is making fun of people, whether it's laughing at people who fall on their ass on YouTube or funny reaction gifts 
or Twitter, where you know people call Brian Stelter a potato. Um, that's really her entire gig, which is I'm not going to allow you to make fun of me or people who I believe in as far as where I lie on the political spectrum. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get rid of you. And I'm going to make it my life mission, which is essentially all that lives of TikTok really does. That's all lives of TikTok just says, here's this. Look at this fucking crazy person. Here it is. And whether or not you agree. And like I said, I don't agree with everything lives of TikTok does. I don't I personally don't like it when, you know, she'll pull a, a, an account of a kid, for instance, who is a teenager, a 14, 15 year old. And yeah, yeah, it's fucking stupid, like the cat pronouns and the animal stuff like that. But ultimately, that person doesn't have any power. And I have no problem when she's, you know, te- if teachers are going to make TikToks in classrooms, public classrooms, yeah, put that person on blast. I have no problem with that uh, because that teacher is stupid enough to do that, basically. Um but that's ultimately all libs of TikTok does is make fun of people. Uh, the problem people like Ben Collins, Taylor Lorenz have, and, and the other thing with Kiwi Farms and 4chan is they're just making fun of the wrong people. And so those people need to be uh, exercised off of the Internet. So I guess it can be a better place. And the thing I've maintained about people like Lorenz and Ben Collins is they fundamentally don't understand the internet or how these these layers of irony and subcultures have come about. You know, Ben, ben Collins to me is not someone who knew what 4chan was until he got to NBC and they basically said, hey, we're going to stick you on the disinformation 4chan beat. Oh, okay, <laughs> super. And then he goes and looks at what the fuck 4chan is and his face melts. And he, <laughs> to this day, he still doesn't realize that he's probably being trolled for half of the shit that's on there. And so... I guess that's the weirdest thing for me is you have people who claim to be the experts in the internet and they, and they have no understanding about what it is or how it came to be what it is and how it's changed even in six or seven years. I mean, it's cool that Taylor Lorenz, you know, harasses teenagers, I guess, uh, with TikToks that she doesn't like either. Um, and again, that's her whole act. But um, the, the Kiwi Farms thing is just, it's a little bit beyond my, my grasp, my, my interest in that would have been 10 years ago, I would have been reading this and just been like, yeah, fuck. And now I'm just kind of like, man, I don't even know if I can keep up with this, but Jesse Singal, Katie Herzog, have done a good job with it and talking about it. And, um, ultimately to me that that's what this comes down to. It's just, we're trying to eliminate wrong think off of not just Twitter now, not just Facebook, not these big social media companies. We're trying to even eliminate internet subcultures and they're not going to win. That's the thing. They're, they're not going to win this fight. They're going to try. Um, and, you know, they can get Kiwi Farms, you know, Cloudflare can kick them off, but someone else will pick them up. And, you know, if it's not there, they'll just they'll they'll pick up somewhere else and they'll just create another one. And that's the thing. You can't really keep people off the Internet and you really can't keep ideas off the Internet. Well, uh, I completely agree with that. Uh, the danger here is that that particular group of people that are trying to get people off kicked off have scrubbed the internet way back machine of all instances of, of the kiwi farms so all that information is now gone and they're going after the ip allocation of kiwi farms which is in australia and serves china so if they can revoke the ip allocation from for kiwi farms from that well, China will go to that same company and start demanding more censorship based upon the same idea. So that's where the danger lies to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. And also, 
you know, if this idea that you have American companies that also, you know, are out here appeasing China or, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll get a, a, someone reported my tweet and Twitter will say, well, your tweet doesn't violate German law. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's of course somebody who's reporting me under European standards. Um, but yeah, it's, that's, that's such a concept that hasn't even begun to be explored is, you know, how does a, how does a local, how does a company that exists in California, like Facebook or whatever, uh, but still they bow to international pressure because they're international users or, or again, China, or they're, they're not turning over data or they are turning over data. Um, I watched an interesting clip of Nina Jankowicz when I was, uh, I, I was redoing kind of my podcast theme. So I was, I was digging up clips and I was reading one and she had one that I had never heard before where she talked about, she views the number one threat to online and information is co- private companies. So companies who don't allow oversight or don't allow government oversight. And so users are free to spread whatever ideas or conspiracies or whatever, and her whole thing was against private ownership of social media. So she's basically saying we need to nationalize social media companies so we can essentially control who's on and who's on them. And we've seen this now this week where there's emails basically showing a link between the Biden White House and Facebook and Twitter getting users banned and, and the White House demanding that some users be taking off. And when you get into that, you are dealing with a First Amendment issue. It's no longer the company making the decision. It's the government making the decision. And that is that is actual First Amendment censorship. And it's not, you know, my private company anymore. So we are kind of in this weird place right now where companies like Rumble, Colin, that's one of the reasons I participate on Colin is they're not they're not going to kick me off this platform when I say that, you know, a, a, a biological female is a biological female and that's it. You know, that's something where someone will now clip, they'll say it and they'll put it out there, but Colin um, isn't, isn't going to really take action. And, and sort of the site what Glenn Greenwald wrote about earlier today is platforms like Rumble, platforms like Colin, platforms like Substack, they're exploding in popularity. And it's not because it's extremism. It's because it's not, it's not monolithic groupthink that you see in mainstream media that you see from NBC or that you see from uh, tech reporting, especially tech reporting, where now every single one of these companies is hiring like a Taylor Lorenz clone. It's crazy. NBC has two. CBS has one. And it's the same makeup where they all have, you know, they're kind of an influencer and they're not a reporter. And so also a lot of this has to do with just eliminating competition. You know, when NBC reporters are going after, you know, companies like Rumble or Substack or whatever, or they're going after Twitter and Facebook to get users like libs of TikTok banned, you also have to understand that these are mega media corporations, CNN, Washington Post, NBC. And again, Greenwald brings up this point that a lot of this also is just eliminating the competition. It's, you know, we have to get rid of these, you know, unfettered conversations as Taylor Lorenz like to call it on clubhouse. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a wild time. There's, there's a kind of a sandbox feeling about where we are at the internet right now. And there hasn't really been that since, you know, the early days of, you know, MySpace, Reddit, things like that, where people were just trying to figure this all out and anything kind of went, and because of things like Colin, because of Substack and things like that, there is this pushback to this uniform bias 
groupthink. And I, as I said, kind of in my new theme on my podcast is it's not just it's not just a bias anymore that's the problem. They're they're trying to claim the mantle of truth, democracy, disinformation, whatever. There was just an article today from Vanity Fair uh, talking to employees at CNN after Harwood was released and saying, we can't both sides the news. This is a fight for democracy. They're literally echoing the same language that Joe Biden is echoing. And as I've said before, the, the ironic thing about claiming the mantle of democracy is a fundamentally undemocratic. Um, yeah, and we saw that, I think, in an op-ed, I th- it was either the New York Times that said, you know, DeSantis is kind of leading the Republican Petri dish. And uh, if he should win, it will backslide democracy. And so they've, they, they're trying to, again, shift the language. They, you know, they turned fake news into disinformation. And it, again, as Greenwald has pointed out, most of these companies that warn you of disinformation uh, refuse to acknowledge that, say, Antifa exists. And the reason they do this is because they believe Antifa is, is generally a righteous organization. And if, and if they have to throw some punches at someone who hates trans people, well, that's okay with us. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the second a punch gets thrown back, it's a threat to democracy. And so, right. um, it, yeah, I mean, but it is the, the good thing is, is places like Substack, Barry Weiss, um, has basically created her own media company just from Substack. She has guest writers. She has things like that. Um so there is a, there is at least pushback. The only question is, you know, eventually as people like Lorenz turn their attention to David Sachs and they turn their attention to call in, um, who is going to cave and who is just going to tell them to fuck off, which is the only thing you should have to ever say to a journalist when they come wandering around your mentions. I'll give you the last one. I, com- I completely agree with that. The The only thing I would add is – the Taylor Renzes, the Keffels, the Voshes, all these people, they believe that people that oppose them are ontologically evil, meaning yeah. that anyone, well, any tactic. That's what Biden is doing right now. It's saying right. if, you, if you oppose me, if you call your opponent a fascist, right, if, if, you, if the president of the United States gets up and declares his, his opponent a fascist, it's, it's therefore anything we do – to stop you is justified. This is this is what Sam Harris kind of gave up. He gave up the joke that said, "Hey, you're a fascist, and therefore, yeah, we don't need to report on the Hunter Biden story, and we and we we're fine with you know corporate collusion to you know keep somebody like Trump out of the public sphere." And it, the problem is, it's never just going to be Trump. It, it'll be DeSantis next, or it'll be you know Tim Scott, or it'll be anyone. And so, if yeah. you fundamentally believe that your opponent is, like they say, semi-fascist or MAGA-fascist or whatever it is, then that means we can lie to you know we can the FBI can conspire against you, we can lie about you with impunity, um, we can assault you, um, we can burn your business down, um, and we can do this with impunity because ultimately you are the fascist and um, you need to be stopped be- before before you become the next Reich. Um, the problem, as I stated and, on the po- as I stated on the podcast, when James Hodgkins shot up the Alexandria baseball field of nine Republicans that almost killed Steve Scalise, the very next day, Joy Reid was on the show saying, "Well, he denied health care for people because of his Obamacare votes." So, huh? Enjoy it. And so, if you fundamentally believe that those Republicans are fascists, then when a guy shoots them, 
then it's good. It's it's ultimately no matter what is done to them is good. And this is why the media just stays silent on threats against Brett Kavanaugh, because they don't believe that Brett Kavanaugh should be sitting on the on the Supreme Court. So therefore, when someone threatens him or you know shows up at his house with a gun and zip ties, they just kind of just go, eh, you know, he's asking for it. You know, he shouldn't have overturned Roe v. Wade. And that is what they fundamentally believe. And it, it is scary that people like that have power. Um, but they're not the only people with power, is, is I guess what I would say. Yeah, it, it boils down to there are no bad tactics, only bad targets. And they define the targets. Yep. Um, and the only other thing is uh, the owner of Kiwi Farms has a podcast called Mad at the Internet. So whoever wants to take a look at that uh Go ahead. Uh, thanks, Stephen. Yep. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, William. Uh, good thoughts on kind of a topic that not a ton of people are uh, familiar with, but should be. Patrick, you're going to bring us home. We're, I think we just came in in an hour, so this is pretty good, short and sweet. Go ahead, Patrick. Uh, preferably, let's talk about the what you think about the California power grid issues, but you can kind of be on anything there. Yeah. So can you can you hear me? Okay. I'm out walking my dog. Yeah. I was going to say I I heard I heard the I see your your icon here and it's your dog and then yeah. all I hear is the jingle of the collar. So apparently I'm talking to a dog. So go ahead. Can you hear me any better now? No, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so in regards to the the power grid, the, the one thing I'll say is, and I, I jumped on kind of in the middle of one of your a few callers ago talking about some of the grid issues is that. The reason everyone has to turn their light, turn their AC off at four is because there is no economical, cost-efficient way to store energy created by solar, by wind, by whatever, when those means stop actually producing energy. So until there is a way to build batteries that will store that in an efficient way, it's basically all just a one huge circle jerk creating all these solar farms because they're all just going to be completely ineffective once the sun goes down. But there are some companies out there that have some pretty interesting technology that are kind of focused on this cost side of it as opposed to just you know some save the planet tree hugger bullshit so you know if you look up like iron oxide iron oxidized batteries um do some googling on that you'll find some companies that are into that sort of thing um so i just want to kind of add that and then in response to samuel who was talking about you know why don't republicans leave california so i don't live in california but I live in the soon-to-be-disappearing 27th Congressional District of New York, which is the reddest congressional district in New York, New Jersey, or New England by quite a wide margin. And my life here is substantially different than what you would see in any district in or around New York City. I live in a 3,000-square-foot house that I paid about $350,000 for. Uh, all I see are trees. There are more guns than people in my county. And, you know... In that regard, it's like, why would I leave? Um, you know, because and then I, while I was walking here, I looked up, you know, Kevin McCarthy's district. It's R plus thirteen, so the lives that people in McCarthy's district live are much different than what you see in L.A. or San Francisco. I guess the caveat there would be, you know, I don't have to, you know, turn my AC off in the afternoon because of the stupid, you know, utility grid decisions made by people in New York City yet. Yeah. Um. Oh, I kind of lost my train of thought. Yeah, I mean, the, here's the the thing that I think about is this is nobody, they're trying to make it to where you're opposed, thinking that people like me or people like you or whatever, people listening are opposed to electric vehicles or electric energy. And I've already had a call in that shows that that's not true. Um, it's just, it's not sustainable. You're, force, you're forcing an unsustainable technology 
on the electorate and you're doing it through, you know, exuberant gas prices, for example, um, until you realize, oh, shit, the natives are getting restless and they're going to kick us out. So I guess now we need to try and bring prices down a little. Um, and nobody's really a- against this kind of technology. It's just not feasible. It's not ready. And any real solution involving battery power or electric power or solar or, or whatever uh, it's pretty minimal until, like I said, until you can get trains on, or you can get, you know, airplanes on it or you can get diesel on it. And so, you know, if once you can build a car that, you know, that can go 600 miles on a battery, you also have to make it more attractive than gas powered vehicles. And so I was reading David Hersania today. He's like, he, he has a car that you can fill up a tank of gas in six minutes and it can go, you know, 405, you know, 400 miles to the gallon. And until you can surpass that, then you're not really going to be solving any problems. And again, it's not even so much private vehicles, it's commercial travel. So you're talking about not even just commercial airlines until you can build a plane that can go on a battery from New York to London or New York or, you know, L.A. to Australia even. Then why are we even having this conversation? Um, I saw a thing last month where... They, everyone was excited that they tested a solar power glider um, that, that carried like six people <laughs> and it flew for, for 13 and a half minutes. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll get there in 40 years. So until, you know, you can travel commercial on a plane battery that, that can carry 200 people in a fuselage plus a crew plus baggage and it stays in the air for longer than three and a half hours. Then again, I don't know why we're even having the conversation. And until you can, until Tesla comes up with a diesel-powered, you know, a, a, a diesel-sized electric EV, which they could, but remember, Elon Musk is also spaceship Hitler. We can't trust him. Um, then again, I look at this and I say, you're forcing, you're forcing a technology as, as opposed to endorsing hybrid technology, and it's 17 states. Are all going to take? They're all going to follow Gavin Newsom's lead on you know banning gas power, the sale of gas powered cars, in ten years. Um, but again, until you can deal with the commercialization of this, then the impact is is minimal. And then you have to wonder, okay, why are they pushing this so hard? Because they tried this with you know green energy companies, and it was one of the worst scandals that was. It's one of the worst unexplored scandals of the Obama administration was thirty one bankrupt energy companies, and they all went tits up in basically the span of three months. Yeah, and we've got our governor investing billions into shitty companies making hydrogen fuel cells up in my neck of the woods that are never going to be able to do dick squat. So it really makes no sense. So are you so are you dealing with any kind of blackout issues? Sorry, that's those are my dogs responding to your dog. Um, are you dealing with any blackout issues in where you are in New York, or is it just kind of? Uh, I mean, I never really had any problems living in New York City, but I'm just curious if you have where you are. No, no. So I'm basically I'm basically in a suburb of Rochester, so we don't have okay. any issues with any of that. Um, yeah, definitely don't go to the city of Rochester, which is worse than the city of New York. And I think you can guess what you'll find if you look up the mayors of Rochester, New York, over the last hundred years, <laughs> or or any other major like run city. So, Patrick, I'll give you the final word. Take us home. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I guess I would just say. I, you know, on the one hand, I disagree with you a little bit in regards to kind of the, you know, I, I think if, if we can improve energy costs using a greener solution, then I'm all for it. Um, or it kind of sounds like you're opposed to that unless we can distribute it across both kind of utility and vehicle. 
Um, but I guess the downside is if you if we decrease our reliance on gas for, for heating and, and that sort of thing, then the prices for filling your tank are going to skyrocket. And yeah, so I don't know. It's complicated. Right. No, I think, like I said, I think any if I think anyone is for a cleaner use of energy. I think any you know, I, I think everyone is fine with that. You know, it's it reminded me of like what Dennis Miller said. He he made a joke about like global warming a, f- a bunch of years ago. I think during he was doing a, a special, and he said, you know what? Haven't we been pretty fucking good to the planet? I remember he goes, I remember when I was driving with my dad, and we would just throw an entire McDonald's bag out the window. And that was like that was standard behavior, and I laughed because that's kind of like what we, what my dad would do on a road trip, just toss it, just toss it everywhere. And now you don't really see that. So people are willing to go along with these things; they're willing to go along with changes. I don't think they're willing to be forced into them, especially yeah. when it's not cost effective. And right now, you have a you know the Democratic Party's like, well, we don't fucking care about cost effective. We're going to put this on you, whether we like it or not, because this is generally an elitist party, a coastal elitist party of, you know, rich white progressives who can afford all of this. And they think it's just great. I have a Tesla. Why can't you buy one? And it's because people can't generally afford them. And then their electricity will skyrocket. So if the, if the, if, if the technology is there, yeah, I think we all want Star Trek. Okay. Like if you can tap into fusion energy and just, you know, power everything unlimited off of, you know, a clean energy cell, then yeah, I think everyone's like that. Let's fucking do it. I think what people are opposed to is forcing, you know, a a technology that has to be government subsidized and is only, it's also going to only enrich some of the world's worst actors in China. And like I said, when you look up who, how lithium is mined and how we get all of that, that's an issue that's just ignored. That one's just put under the, you know, we can't talk about the fact that like Muslim, you know, they're using Muslim Uyghurs to mine lithium in China and then they're going to sell it to us and, now all of our energy is fucking dependent on China now too, as if everything yeah. else is. No so serious, no serious. There's all these. There's all these solution can involve lithium. Period. Right. There's there's all these. You know, there are all these real questions that, again, should be up to our media. This is a question of media who should be putting these out there and saying, hey, you know, how how are you going about this? Who are we subsidizing? Are, are, uh, who's this company? Are, are is this company going to bankrupt after you just pass this trillion dollar law? And they don't do it because of anyone who questions that you're a climate denier, you're a fascist. And now uh, you, you don't believe in global warming. You don't believe it's happening uh, or, or anything like that. And that's the problem with where journalism is today. They believe in they believe in all of this. And like you say, Andrew, who, who let us off, said it is a dogma. It is a religion. And as long as they believe in it, they're not going to print any stories that jeopardize the fact that this just isn't ready. And especially in California. But they're all hailing Gavin Newsom, and they're actually going to fucking run that asshole in two years thinking about how smart and wise and forward-thinking he is. So um, I, I think that's it. So give us uh, – I'll give you the last word to respond to that, Patrick, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, I would just say, you know, responding to Dennis Miller is that we can't throw our McDonald's out the, out the window anymore because the liberals emptied all the prisons and there's no one to come pick it up in the road crew anymore. <laughs> See, no, you're right. Or cheaply, at least now it has to be con- now it has to be contracted R, and now it has to be. Contracted. Yeah, it's no, it's no longer cost effective to litter. That's the problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, thanks, 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 Patrick, for that. Thank and, you. Uh, finish. Enjoy the enjoy the rest of your walk and take care of your pups. So, um, that's good. We got out of here kind of right on time. This has been episode forty one. Grid your loins. Um, 
Again, a lot of good callers. Like I said, I loved hearing from Andrew right off the bat. That's the kind of stuff, uh, that's the reason I do this and I live for it. So um, anyway, so thanks for everyone for staying up with us here uh, for these kind of later night shenanigans. Uh, I'll be back on Versus Media tomorrow. You can comment over there as well. Uh, if you uh, wanted to call in or if you're just listening to this pre uh, post-recording, feel free to comment on anything you heard tonight over there, and I'll try to get to that on the podcast tomorrow. Um, so once again, thanks, everyone, for uh, listening in. Thanks again to the callers. Like I said, you've uh, helped bump me up to, I think I'm still number two behind Brianna Joy Gray. And so uh, it's great that you're all still interested in doing this, and that keeps me interested in doing it. So uh, once again, I'm Stephen L. Miller. This is Versus Media Live on Colin, and uh, I'll, see you go- I'll see you all tomorrow uh, on Patreon. So that's it. Have a good night, everyone.